Now, it's time to introduce our next guest, live here in studio on Saturday Chronicle, Father Joe McMahon, Paris Peace Scarf. Welcome to Saturday Chronicle. Thank you, Tom. Good morning, Tom and Patricia. Yeah. Very welcome. As I said to you the other day, I think there's no need to pay back time. You know, you've caught me several mornings going into Mass <laughs> to catch you for reading. So. <laughs> I'll catch you for Sunday as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, listening to Declan, I must check out where he, where he, where you can get these 50 euro tires he was talking about. <laughs> Well, they can be got, I think. Uh, yeah. uh, depends. You don't have to go maybe too far towards Killaloo. You could get yeah. them. <laughs> I just yeah. invested like, a few days ago in a few, a few new ones. So. Yeah. The, the only thing, there is a huge variation in tyres. And the one that's, uh, as you know, we have a, an EV uh, electric car. And I had occasion to change the tyres recently. And they, for the electric vehicles, they are expensive. Ours is 21-inch wheels, which is rare. But oh, yeah. I gave 710 euros for two new oh, tires. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, but yeah. they can be had for, well, I don't know, for ordinary cars, they can be had for an awful lot less, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, you still depend on that little bit of rubber in the road, you know? Anyway, we're not here to talk about cars or tires, <laughs> I suppose, you know? Um, would we start on Lent coming up next week? Wednesday, yeah. Ash Wednesday? Yes, yeah, so I Pancake it's Tuesday? It's the season we don't look forward to, but uh, it's, uh, has a, People do change their lives a little bit around Lent. I know always at Lent now, instead of 25 or 30 at morning mass, you'll have 50 probably. Really? In yeah. Scarif. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, yeah, people do make an effort and people do, I suppose, change their lifestyle a little bit. And uh, partly from religious motivation and partly maybe secular as well or for health reasons or whatever. So the, the length of 40 days, it's a kind of an interesting, I, I have a piece about it in the local newsletters now, Scarafiki Kilinina. Yeah. This weekend I have a full page about Lent. <laughs> so, um, the old Lenten customs, is it? Well, more about the, uh, do you know how it, how, yeah, some of the customs and so on, like yeah. Shrove Tuesday coming up now was a, was a way of using up, before you entered the Linton fast, was a way of using up the eggs and cream left over so that you weren't tempted during Lent. <laughs> so pancakes were an ideal solution for using up uh, flour and eggs and cream. Indeed. I have to tell you, and, my grandson, uh, uh, Dorian was minding me yesterday evening and he said, well, why not have a pancake Friday? Yeah. So she had to make him a few pancakes yesterday <laughs> evening. <laughs> He's hearing about her yeah. crush, I suppose. But go back to our, even our youth. Uh, Lent was, you know, the, the restrictions on Catholics were a lot more severe than they are now, weren't they? Yeah, I suppose recommendations more than restrictions because yeah. there were all sorts of exceptions and so on. Uh, yes. I my father kind of got an exemption on the basis that he was working hard, you know. <laughs> he didn't need to observe the three meals a day that... The, the main meal and two collations, as that's they were called. Right, that's and, right. Uh, <laughs> I think my mother might have got them as well. We didn't. We didn't notice any any kind of great change as regards yeah, the supply yeah, of food. Yeah, yeah. But the the forty days, of course, is kind of a biblical. Forty is a kind of a great number. People like forty, and the uh, forty days of just the. The, the Hebrews were wandering in the desert and yeah, uh, yeah. the 40 days that Jesus spent preparing for his ministry in the desert and uh, it was I suppose a symbolic figure in one sense but also a literal figure you know if people said let's do 40 days yeah yeah and even kind of in our own world you know this quarantine 
that, you know, we, at the beginning of COVID, we had this, or still, I suppose, you have the kind of quarantine which comes from the Italian forty, you know, because ships coming from the ships coming from the Far East, they were required to moor in Venice for forty days before discharging their passengers or cargo, like so. The quaranta would be uh, the origin of our quarantine. So. Kind of 40, 40 is a good number. <laughs> <laughs> and the 40 days of Lent, uh, in, in fact, there are 46 days at Lent, but we don't count the Sundays, you know, between oh, Ash yeah. Wednesday and Easter Sunday, yeah. there are actually 46 days. Yeah. And going back to those old restrictions that people used to keep, uh, Father Joe, is that something that is still, you know, in strict terms, does the church still require those things? You know, things like the fasting periods and... Um, even days of abstinence and that type, fast days, that kind of thing. Is yeah. That, are they still in place as sort of rubrics, if you like? Probably not many people sticking to them these days, but if you really wanted to do it wholeheartedly, yeah, let's say, would, would you be doing would, that? Yeah, I would say recommendations rather than restrictions, mm. even kind of back in, you know, when I was a child, you know, you weren't, you didn't feel that you were doing anything wrong if you didn't follow everything to the letter of the law. Sure. But uh, but there's a long tradition, of course, of fasting, and particularly in the Irish monasteries, and even our words, uh, Ina is the word for uh, fast, and Dehina would be Friday, the fast day, oh, and the oh. Cadean would be Wednesday, the first yes. fast, and Derdean then would be the day either Da'in, the day between the two fast days. So that there's a very long tradition, and uh, people... Uh, I, I suppose uh, the practice was that instead of eating meat, and you know that there was a prohibition on having meat on Friday particularly, mm. and the Catholics, you know, ate fish on Friday. That's one of the identifying marks of a Catholic that you that you had fish on Friday. <laughs> but I don't think there's any great sacrifice now, you know, to have fish. You know, no, there's such a choice a, out there. You know, whereas in those days yeah. it could be seen as a kind of restriction and, uh, and a sacrifice. Mind you, I remember and I, we wouldn't always have fish on a Friday. You could have a, a fried egg and some baked beans or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I always remember having fish, certainly growing up. And uh, I think at school, there was a boarding school uh, run by sisters, Passion Sisters. And yeah, where was we that, always Patricia? In Ballycastle, yeah. up on the oh, north yeah, coast, yeah. which uh, was quite, a, quite an experience. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, under that roof, we stuck quite closely to whatever was yeah, on yeah. the on the list for. Yeah, I was I was in boarding in Flannels. I don't remember much about our whether there were whether Linton restrictions were applied, but there were so many restrictions that you, <laughs> you wouldn't notice the extra ones. Extra, you know, yeah. did, you, have, did you, you ever get to the old Lammas Fair in Ballycastle? Do you know it's a funny thing? I suppose because it was during the school holidays, and I kind of felt I saw enough of the place during oh, the yeah. year. Never made it. I've never been. I've never been mm. there. Yeah, going back to Flanders, I suppose you didn't have a menu choice every day, did you? No, Flanders <laughs> oh, no. was hungry territory. Yeah. <laughs> really, that was. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. afraid until recently I could have told you what was on the menu for a school week. Yeah, every, never changed. Every day, you know, you, you knew what was coming up, and uh, I got into trouble one time for refusing to give up my scones for the black babies because <laughs> it was the only thing in the week i really enjoyed <laughs> oh dear those were the days those were the days indeed yeah. but it is, it is great i mean we do still yeah we do still feel somebody got the, a phone going there in the background is there 
the, the challenge of yes. doing something for that's Lent. Right, that's right, yeah. And I think large is a kind of a spiritual challenge yes. to yeah, kind of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. watch ourselves a little bit and to show I that know. we can do yes, better, yes. we can be better. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to see the, even the national schools and even the questions with my four-year-old grandson that they're beginning to put these things in front of them and you know just keep up the old traditions even if they only give it up is. the sweets or the little bit of chocolate or do yeah. something for a while and yeah. you know yeah it's not totally penitential but you know just to keep the things alive. Anyway, the other thing we wanted to talk to you about was uh, I noticed uh, in, in, around the first of February Saint Bridget's Day you had a bit in the newsletter and in while talking about Saint Bridget you mentioned Saint Donatus and sometime last year maybe six months ago you did a little piece on Saint Donatus as well a feast old you know and yeah. he has a local connection. Will you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, please? Uh, four of the you know of the stained glass windows and scarif. Uh, donated by the Reeves family. They're the heart James attack Reeves. windows, aren't they? Let's talk about those the, yeah. as well. Now, they're yes. an interesting family. Yeah. But uh, of the four stained glass windows, uh, two are on, on the one side as you look up from at the, as you look up from the entrance to the church. The two on the left are St. Cayman and St. Donatus, both of whom would have been closely connected to Inish Caltra. And on the right-hand side then, you have St. Coleman of Kilmacdua and St. Flannan. So, and on the stained glass window, the beautiful stained glass windows, of course, they're Harry Clark's studio, although Harry Clark had just died at the time they were designed, but uh, they were designed by Richard King. And uh, the, they're beautiful themes, and I mean, the artistry is wonderful, really, very much in the Harry Clark style, and uh, very recognisable, you know, if you saw them anywhere, you'd be saying Harry Clark's studio. And Richard King now was a Mayo man. He was the main artist there. And book has just been brought out about him. The author, uh, Ruth, I can't think of her second name. She lectures in art in Trinity. She, yeah, yeah. she came down to spend a few hours in Scarif Church. I, uh, she came out from Ennis on the bus and I, I delivered her back in the evening. And so she spent a couple of hours uh, examining the Richard King stained glass windows. But getting back to, to the subjects of the stained glass windows, uh, Cayman, of course, was is considered to have been the founder of the monastery in Ishkaltra. And it's a very popular local name. I mean, I've known lots of Caymans, you know, yes. from East Clare. It is very much an East Clare name. And Cayman and, and the, the, the uh, stained glass window depicts Cayman, one of the, the little motifs at the bottom of the stained glass window as well. And... One of them is Cayman uh, stretching out his hands over a little child who has leprosy to heal the child. Because leprosy would have been a disease in Ireland at the time, and even in Inishkaltra, I think there's a special window where people who had the disease would be, although they were kept apart from the others, that they would be able to look in through this window. Uh, so uh, so that Cayman, and beside him is Donatus. And Donatus, again, um, a couple of centuries later, he was uh, again based in Inishkaltra, and uh, he and his companion, Andrew Scotus, mean, meaning Andrew the Irishman, went to visit the tombs of the of the of the apostles in Rome, as you know would have been common at the time. Everybody wanted to eventually, sometime in their life, make make this pilgrimage. So Donatus and Andrew went to on their visit, on their pilgrimage to Rome, and on their way back, they stopped off at a town near uh, Florence called uh, 
Fizzlet is pronounced. Fizzlet, yeah. yeah. And uh, I used to pronounce it wrong until, I, until this artist came down to examine it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it Fiesole or something, but so Fiesolet is how she pronounced it. But uh, at the time, the the city of Fiesolet was short of a bishop. I think they had thrown the previous man into a lake or something. <laughs> so uh, when... when uh, Donatus and his companion Andrew arrived. They were seen as a gift from God, they sent by God, and they made him bishop, and he never got back to English culture. There's a story told that they were in the cathedral praying when uh, Donatus and um, Andrew came in. And, exactly. Yeah. And that's depicted in the stained glass windows. You see all the upturned uh, faces in prayer, Yeah. and uh, Donatus arriving in. So the they, they wouldn't brook any opposition, so Donatus <laughs> was made bishop. And he'd be, I mean, that's that's history, you know. That's, uh, Let's go back to the 78th century, isn't it? That would be the 8th, uh, the 9th century. Yes. He was born in the 8th century. Yeah. And uh, so the, he, I mean, he, he would have written, he was a scholar, he would have written, he wrote a 2000, uh, 2000 line poem in Latin. He wrote, he wrote a preface to a life of St. Bridget. He led armies against the invading Saracens, as they were called, the Muslim hordes advancing in Europe at the time. And, um, you know, he was he's an established historical figure. And uh, then on the far side of the, uh, on the other side, uh, the top of the other side aisle, you have uh, Coleman of Kilmacdua and you have uh, St. Flannan. And St. One, a nice little, 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 uh, vignettes uh, on the windows as well. Saint Flannan out hunting, and he meets this hermit, and speaks to him, and he changed his life completely. He was a prince of Munster. We don't know much historically about Flannan, except that he built a stone boat and sailed somewhere. And you know, so that's the kind of level of <laughs> history you're talking about, Saint Flannan. But he was uh, said to be a, a prince of uh, you know of uh, of, of Mun- in, 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 in Munster. Yeah. Now the the windows, uh, I, I'm going on a bit here oh, now. But yeah, yeah. The the windows were donated by uh, James Reeves, who was an immigrant from Scariff. When he was 19 years old, he packed his bags and went off to America with ten dollars in his pocket, and uh, he worked for 13 years as a clerk in a, gro- a grocery store, getting eight dollars a week and saved up his money and uh, saved up $6,000 and bought a store. And by the end of his, by the time his his uh, chain of stores was taken over, uh, he had something over 400 shops, uh, stores all over uh, the East Coast, New York especially, but uh, on the East Coast. And he was taken, and the, the chain was, was bought then by Safeway, would be a modern company. Yes. And, uh, and his brother... His, his, his brother went with him, or it went later, he brought over his brother, and the two of them worked together in building up this chain of stores, his brother Daniel. And Daniel died young, and he, uh, the James named the chain of stores after his brother Daniel. There was a third brother, Peter, then who went over later and uh, built up a smaller chain of uh, group of shops. So they had an entrepreneurial spirit to them. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, I, was, I read an interview with him lately now, and he kind of, he could tell you how many pounds of butter they sold and what kind of customers, uh, 
what customers what he was at, but very, very conscious of, uh, the, of, of paying attention to customers and not quarreling with customers and... Uh, uh, Customer everything. service to the he fore. Was, it, it's, it's very interesting to read it now. Yeah. He is a very, very... Uh, Same rules should apply today too. Yeah, and do yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. And just for by the where um, Liam Skelly and Joe are living now, that was they built that house, I think, didn't they? They built, yeah. yeah. They, there was uh, th- that's another local connection, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and it's many, many of the people who are listening will know Father Brendan Maloney. And, yes. Uh, Father Brendan's mother was married to one of the Reeves family. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the that uh, the, the the American branch of the family built that lovely residence that uh, Liam and Joe Skelly live in now and that was uh, that was where uh, the, this other uh, member of the family who stayed at home lived and uh, he he died at a young age and uh, she, she would have married Brendan's father then so that was the second marriage, yeah. That was the second marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. There's and another interesting story well, as well, yeah. of course. Some of you, I don't know if any, of, if any of you were watching the Super Bowl there two weeks ago, or was it three weeks ago? I miss it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> American football. But um, the James Reeves' family, and James Reeves had a son, Daniel, and um, Daniel bought an American football team called the Rams that were based in Cleveland and he moved them eventually to Los Angeles and they moved around a little bit more now but uh, and he he owned that uh, American football team and James's son Daniel owned that American football team for 30 years 1941 to 1971 and uh, and the, the Rams and they recently for the second time, they won. They won their second bowl there a few weeks, and their second Super Bowl there a few weeks ago. So that's all kind of background. So James Reeves uh, was the man who donated the those stained glass windows featuring Donatus and Cayman. And uh, oh, what a wonderful heritage that is for the church in Scarif to have. And it is the connections yeah. of the stories of the windows and the connection with Harry Clark. It's a tremendous yeah, it, yeah. uh, sense of heritage there. And connecting with Inishkaltra as well, yeah. which used to be a centre for scholarly studies, didn't it, way back when that, people yeah. came from all over Europe, I think, yeah. to study in Holy, um, Holy Island. Yeah, Cayman would have been 6th century. So, ah, right. And, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it was a centre of learning, as all the monasteries mm-hmm. were, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, the, the and, and kind of commentary on the scriptures and copying the scriptures and so on and as you were saying there about um, Donatus and his um, Andrew going off on pilgrimage it was quite usual for people of means in those times to go on pilgrimage to Europe and spend uh, go from monastery to monastery and all that but as you said they always came back to that but yeah people of means and people of no means I suppose they were relying on charity and yes when Donatus was Bishop of Fiesole, he had, he, he, uh, he had a place built for pilgrims that they could stop off in, in his territory of Fiesole, and that, that, that became a kind of a great centre of, uh, yeah. a drop-in centre for Irish pilgrims on their way to Rome. And even St. Patrick would have gone, you know, he often expressed the design. St. Patrick uh, did go on pilgrimage as well himself. We, there's a lot of 
vacant years in St. Patrick's life that we know little about, but it is clear that he actually made a pilgrimage to Rome as well. I've actually been to Fiesole, and it's just outside Florence on a kind of a, a rise outside Florence, yeah. and it's got the European Institute there, I think. So it's quite, still quite an important place of learning. Yeah. That's just interesting, by the way. <laughs> um, and there was a connection with St. Bridget you mentioned. Uh, I think, yeah, he wrote a preface to yeah. a, a life of St. Bridget. And he was a great devotee of St. Bridget. And she visited him, it said, on his on deathbed. His deathbed yeah, and yeah. did she spread her cloak or something like that to give him comfort? Is, is that part of the yeah, story? But I, I'm not too sure of the details now, mm. but he, he had this vision of St. Bridget on his deathbed. Yeah. Mm. Interesting, yeah. Yes. So, exactly. Well, now, just on that subject, as we're mentioning St. Bridget, God bless her, um, I wonder, do you think, Father Joe, moving swiftly to a completely different topic, do you think, given the shortage of priests and the difficulty now, it seems, in recruiting priests, will we ever see women priests in our lifetime, do you think? I wonder, yeah. How long is our lifetime going to be under? <laughs> well, that's another thing, of course. <laughs> but supposing we were lucky and got a span of, say, 15 yeah. years, 20 years. Yeah, women priests or married clergy. Married clergy wouldn't be such a big step for the in, in the tradition of the church, say. Ah, right, yeah. Uh, because, you know, even in recent years, a lot of Anglican priests who are married, for one reason or another, and uh, translated to the were, were, were translated to the Catholic Church and uh, for you know that they had uh, reservations about the direction that, that the Anglican Church was going in mm -hmm. and those in many cases were uh, were already married and in some cases the local Catholic priest uh, wished to get married and he would have to leave his you know, he would have give up the priesthood and leave the parish. Yes. And then he might be very well replaced by an Anglican priest who was already married anyway. <laughs> so there's a little bit... Uh, Double standards. Mm -hmm. so, but there is a kind of... Uh, there, there is a level, you know, exception. The, the, those exceptions have already been made in the case of married priests. So I'd say that's not such a big step. Now, uh, so if you're talking about the women priests... It, I mean, there's, there's no theological reason, obviously, why women couldn't be priests. You know, there's no rational or logical reason, so it's very much a question more of tradition. And uh, and I'd say one of the things that the um, kind of the, the church hierarchy would be concerned about was the, lest there be a schism, you know, that people who were against women priests and people who were for it, that, you know, that you'd be... I'd say that's one of their obstacles that they would have to... Mm. Uh, that they'd be very wary of. Well, of um, course, the church is very As, as there was in the Anglican church, really, you know, because I suppose that was the reason very much that uh, some of the Anglican priests, you know... Came across, as it were. Interrupted you there. No, I was just going to say to you this. Um, it just seems to me you know, as an ordinary, everyday person sort of thing, I can't really see why the church would have an objection to giving women the opportunity to yeah. minister and to, and to administer the sacraments, of course, as well. Yeah, because, I mean, a great deal of what's done in the church is mm. done by women anyway. Oh, indeed. <coughs> yeah. And uh, women are, I suppose, 
are very faithful to the mission of the church and a kind of very strong and very strong commitment. And uh, as I say now, there's there's no theoretical reason, no no theological reason. Uh, The fact that the 12 apostles were men, you know, well, the 12 apostles wore sandals as well. And, you know, there's a lot of traditions that... (laughs) Um, you know, I suppose that the other well, thing that, that comes to mind when you're, we're talking about this, I suppose the church moving more in the modern world, in modern idiom, if you like, you know, I wonder what's going on with this synod that the Pope has called. Mm. I've heard of it, but I honestly don't know how, again, the ordinary person goes about engaging with it or really even, to be honest, what the purpose is. I understand that the purpose of it is to find out what people on the ground are thinking about what's going on at the church yeah. and hopefully to make changes and respond to what comes out of that consultation process. Yeah. I just kind wondered. The, overall, the overarching idea is that Catholics throughout the world would be consulted about their views, about the direction of the church and mm-hmm. uh, what, how the church could be better or, or you know, could overcome the current problems and uh, the question is is how you reach the people you know that there are three headings under which people are to be consulted one is mission you know the idea of the church kind of continuing to uh, attract people Um, the idea of communion kind of being together as a as a church and not and also participation and now putting concrete we were we were pastoral meeting now in, in Scarif a few nights ago and the question was how do you how do you reach people with those questions how do you make it practical and the questions that we are presented with you know that the church uh, you know that the Irish church and the direction of Rome has presented parishes with they're vague, they're abstract, a bit frustrating. I mean, if I asked you, uh, who do, you know, questions like, uh, who do you feel is alienated from the church now? You probably say, how would I know? You know. No, uh, I would have an idea about yeah, that. I have yeah. certain ideas about that. Well, you'd have, yeah, mm-hmm. and if some of the questions now might be a bit vague and mm. people might just shrug and say I, I, I don't know how to answer that question I'd, I'd say that's the main problem that I see now with the current synod where some opportunities of Lent, for definition and yeah just uh, making the questions more real I suppose mm. in a sense mm-hmm. because they do seem to you know we were discussing it the other night and some, they do seem very abstract and vague the questions do but undoubtedly, you know, it's it's time to consult people and uh, try to get some sort of a movement in the church, and I don't, you know, maybe involving the questions we were talking about, married clergy and uh, women priests and so on, but maybe there's a maybe there's a bigger problem as well, you know, uh, part of it. I think part of our current problem is kind of a in our generation now is a kind of maybe a lack of commitment uh, a reluctance to commit to anything regular uh, you know, Father, that just, just applied to the church that applies to community so, so many things everything everything yeah, yeah. and uh, 
and also I'd say a kind of a bias against institutions you know that everything has to be personal and meaningful to me individually and that's a, you know um, if, if it doesn't satisfy me personally uh, I'm not interested in it and uh, the, the more experiential side but these can these uh, and, and there's there's a validity to that as well you know some people it's interesting now that in at Easter, say, you know, these dawn masses will attract, a great crowd will attract people who who haven't, who wouldn't normally be, go to Sunday mass or visit churches. There's something, there's a kind of a romance or a kind of a feeling of something different and something that touches me deeply. And I would say also, you know, uh, having special occasions at mass rocks and, um, um, masses and cemeteries all these now you can you can just see now that this means this is something special but i'd say we in our society at the moment it's kind of a there's a rejection of the routine and uh, an expectation that everything would be special and everything would be kind of uh, satisfying kind of to experience. me yeah whereas older the older generation have, would have a greater sense of uh, what's uh, of duty and, and acceptance of what they were told. Yeah. And support also, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the question of financial support of the churches, I mean, the, the, the support of the church is amazing, really, it's great. But uh, I'm, I'm, what's it going to be like in 20 years' time? Because a lot of people just kind of say, oh, I don't go because, you know, I, I, but I'll go when I'm, you know, when somebody... It belonged to me uh, for the funeral of somebody belonged to me, or I'd go for first communion or whatever. But uh, the church needs to be kind of supported all year round in order to kind of continue. And the, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of expenditure. There's a lot of maintenance and so on. And as I say now, the the support of a certain generation is marvelous and very commendable. And uh, in but that's that has uh, I suppose there's there are generations then where we expect to get everything from nothing. You go online and you expect to read the newspaper for free, and if you have to sign up, you say no, I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was in um, France there for for twelve days there last October, and it was in a number of churches, you know, and. Some of these old churches are very, very basic. You know, f the floors are very rough, flagstones on them. The seating is <laughs> very Spartan, let's say, you know. Yeah. And I think, if I'm right in saying that, the state owns the church properties in France. But, you know, they're not very comfortable, a lot of them. But then there's a lot of history attached to some of them, you know, real history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas our, our churches are more modern and more comfortable really yeah. since they're heating and everything else you know and there's a great loyalty to local churches and probably the way to attract a crowd in churches to say that you're thinking of closing it you know <laughs> <laughs> you have a, a, a popular revolt D don't tell me you're thinking of doing something like that around locally no, 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 no I'm not thinking of that at all I know you're not I know I know indeed Look, I suppose we could stay going for a, <laughs> a lot longer, but Father Joe, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us here about uh, interesting subjects, for the, yeah. far from Lent, uh, the stained glass windows in the church and the local Reeves connection and Centenatus of, what, Fisile, is it? Fisile. Fisile, yes. I get that right. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah, indeed.